previously on My Best Friend's Journal. When I was young, like 13 or 14, um, I was hooking up with that neighbor we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And we hooked up on Christmas Eve. That night, I opened up my gift from my parents. And it was a new Bible. Oh. I was always just racked with guilt about it. George, is he in any way interesting or important? Mm, no. Okay. Uh, I might have lost my virginity to him, actually. <laughs> might have? I'm embarrassed that... It's 2013, and I haven't had an explicit conversation with my family about being a homosexual. Mm -hmm. I do think that that's what brings a lot of gay men together um, as a community. Like, we all had to come out. Everyone had this situation growing up, and they didn't feel like they could be themselves. My dear friend Amy, I brought Winston to her her recital. (laughs) What? (laughs) You brought her fish to her recital? Goldfish. (laughs) You're such an asshole. Five years ago, he got a book to hold my private thoughts. And now we're gonna take a peek, grab a drink, or smoke some pot. Your private thoughts read aloud, how does that make you feel? I don't remember what I wrote, this shit might get too real. Nothing here is sacred, I'm haunted by my past. It's called My Best Friend's Journal. Let's start this damn podcast. Let's sing this name a little longer first. It's someone's favorite podcast. Yes, and the world's greatest podcast. Oprah's favorite podcast. Hello. Hello, come on in. <laughs> Hi, welcome to my best friend's journal. I'm Cam. Hi, I'm Mike. And this is the room where it happens. Are we in mood elevators? <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to mix it up this week, that's yeah. all. This little hello is the way my mom would like enter a room if she wasn't sure if it was okay. Hello. <laughs> Please have your pants on. <laughs> or a condom, just something. <laughs> or a condom. <laughs> You guys need anything? A drink? A condom? <laughs> uh, your mom's a cool mom. I knew that about her. She's a cool mom. Uh, so welcome to our podcast. This is our show about Mike's Journal. And lots of tangentially related things. Exactly. And that is a beautiful transition because I want to start this episode off a little weird. Um, it's always weird. It, it would be weird to not be weird. You're right. There's nothing normal here. Nothing I here is normal. I'm haunted by my past. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> We've swapped spots. Um, mm. So I read something this week. Uh, that I wanted to read at the top of the show because it reminded me so much of what we talk about here and the kind of conversations that we have every week. When did you learn to read? <laughs> Recently, and it has opened <laughs> my whole world up. Sorry, stupid joke. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so this was posted by Gay Star News. And uh, it's it's a quote that they posted, and I wanted to read it to you because I, I think it's uh, interesting to discuss. Um, it's by a man named Alexander Leon. And he said... Queer people don't grow up as ourselves. Re- queer people don't. This is going to be fucking hard. So you didn't learn to read Re- them? <laughs> I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm going to sound it out. It's going to take a while. Queer people don't grow up as ourselves. We grow up playing a version of ourselves that sacrifices authenticity to minimize humiliation and prejudice. The massive task of our adult lives is to unpick which parts of ourselves are truly us and which parts we've created to protect us. Hmm. And I mean, the first time I read that, I got tears in my eyes because that speaks so much to my 
experience like mm-hmm. like with capital e experience like whole life you know i grew up putting up walls creating personas leading a full double life for the entire first half of my life um and i, I just i thought that was so succinctly put about the fact that we as adults now have this this task of and it, it might be people in all walks of life but specifically queer people um you know we we grow up just creating boundaries for everyone around us so they so, so to self-protect yeah um and, and you you then are creating a person that you are not yeah exactly um i think about the there was a christmas eve when i was like 14 or 15 where i had a gay encounter with a childhood friend of the third kind of the third kind <laughs> a gay encounter <laughs> makes it sound so much worse than actually what it was uh but yeah i, I like hooked up with this you know neighborhood kid mm-hmm. and as always, because of my religious upbringing, I was so racked by guilt, I came home and I like wept in my bed. And then my parents, for Christmas that year, my big present was a Bible. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about this before. Yeah. But I remember just like that was such a formative experience for me because I like created this like good Christian persona, you know, and then I would like nature would take over, you know, <laughs> I would like, I was a hormone monster teenager and uh, big mouth. <laughs> I was Maya Rudolph. Um, and I would, you know, go and hook up with this, with this other guy. And then I would come home and I would, I would be broken because these two parts of my life did not, they didn't work together. And yeah. so that would just, continue like that would break me down and then just like muscle builds up i would like i would continue to like get stronger and stronger in these hmm. boundaries that i set and this persona that i created for myself does that make sense yeah i feel I, like i'm mixing metaphors a little bit here no, but um, i i feel i think we had definitely different experiences mostly because of the religion in your household but i do remember just feeling like guilty the very first time and times i was hooking up with my first like high school boyfriend at like 14 or whatever it's I don't know if it's like inherited from our society or what, but I like I don't feel like I had reason to feel guilty. My family was chill. I mean, looking back, I feel like they wouldn't have given a shit if at 14 I was like, I'm gay. They'd be like, OK, well, do your homework. Like, <laughs> and, But still, the guilt is there. And it's like bred in us and you behave accordingly. And I think we were definitely different kids in high school, you and I. Yeah, I mean, of course, I think I had the luxury probably of being a lot sillier and closer to out than you um i was that way with my very select group of friends um mm-hmm. like my 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 theater choir friends that like you know didn't so care a theater choir gets it's first. Always, yeah, yeah they're the fucking best man mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but those friends are the ones that made it fe- made me feel any kind of safe but i mean talk about school you put up barriers you you walk down the hallway a certain way so you're not bullied mm-hmm. um so you're not uh you know so you're not like an outsider so you're not an uh, the other at yeah. school at least i did look at some I, of the clothes i was wearing in those videos jen sent me exactly. i'm like why that would not have been my choice absolutely not uh you know you i well, i think i mentioned this before that i got my very first cd was the britney spears cd uh oops i did it again got so made fun of for that that my immediate next purchase was the m&m show as a <laughs> overcorrection gross overcorrection yeah but it's i don't know uh, you you do what you need to do what you feel like you need to do to survive. Yeah. I I think one of the things that I did in high school to survive specifically was making sure I was friends with all the girls. Mm-hmm. Um, like I wasn't a popular kid, but I wasn't like an, a social pariah. I was just kind of neutral territory. Yeah, when but did that happen? When did you become one? What? A, a social, social pariah? pariah? <laughs> <laughs> it happened later in life. Um, but I, I, the way that I protected myself was being very friendly with all the, the, the girls at school because then – 
their boyfriends weren't allowed to be super mean to me. Oh, um, wow. I, I specifically befriended a few girls that were cheerleaders or like, like we'd have classes together and I'd be sweet to them and, and try to make sure mm-hmm. that I was on their good side. So then in the hallways, their boyfriends wouldn't like their football player boyfriends wouldn't be able to like call me out like they did the other gay kids. Those people grow up to be those same people. I feel like I hear over and over straight couples where the women have to say to their male partner, I have I have gay friends. You need to be nicer to gay people. And they're like, oh, yeah, my wife's gay friends. Like, uh-huh. They still, I don't know, it's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough. But that is one of those things. So, you know, talk about unpacking as an adult what you've created as a kid like that was something i created like i was i was manipulating social situations so i wouldn't get called a fag in the hallway this all makes me think of this phenomenon i've started to realize when i was 18 to 20 um i went to a college after high school and you know i got to meet more gay people and i was already kind of coming from a liberal situation to another liberal situation i mean shockingly liberal at like ithaca college yeah which still had its share of drive-by faggings but sure shockingly liberal um but i had friends who left more conservative homes and then went right to a a city a lot of them went to new york didn't go to school right away Uh or at all and they went from um cookie cutter christian kids to the feminist queeniest fabulous gay boys that you ever met like overnight the old boomerang effect yeah most of them are not even that femme presenting now they i feel like they went as far as they felt the freedom to go and then we're like well this isn't me and they like found something in the middle yes finally when you're released of those shackles you Mm -hmm. jump headfirst into whatever makes you feel free yeah i want to say that this podcast has done so much for making me feel that way. I've been really comfortable in my own skin for a long time, did a lot of work and always continuing to do work. I'm not patting myself on the back here, but like trying to um, trying to figure out how to be comfortable in my own skin, how to be proud of myself, the person I am and the achievements that I've, I've made. I'm uh, That's a lifelong process. But this podcast, sitting every week and talking about queer things with you and talking about politics and talking about sex and all these things that are so taboo in the house I grew up in has done (laughs) so taboo. (laughs) (laughs) It has done wonders for my, um, not only my confidence, but my ability to articulate my opinions, Mm -hmm. my ability to talk about these things not avoid hard conversations because this is such a safe space with you week after week mm-hmm. um and uh, our listeners are the sweetest and they're always encouraging us and and appreciating you know t- telling us that they appreciate uh hearing our thoughts and and opinions and all these kind of things at the top of the show but these are conversations that in most company for most of my life I would have avoided or would have clammed up or I would have gone the too far the other direction and gotten mad about you know I, I joke a lot about my both my sisters-in-law like to reach out after we talk about things like uh insert any number of gay things Bukkake, here fisting um <laughs> sniffing bulges sniffing bulges yeah uh, all these things but they like in good humor but they are always when they reach out like that used to there was a there was a time when this podcast first came out where i was like oh my god they're listening to this that really freaks me out because I'm being very vulnerable and I'm talking about things that I'm happy to have strangers who are probably queer people and women listen to this, but it's my family. Like, what's that going to do? Because I have so much trauma from growing up that when I talk about things in front of my family that were there any way taboo, 
It was shut down. I was shamed. I was told that's never appropriate to talk about. I was told you're a bad Christian, all these things. And that stuff bubbles to the surface. Yeah. Even as a 33-year-old man, it probably will as a 50-year-old man. Probably will as a 100-year-old man. <laughs> Uh, all that to say, I, uh, I I really like the way that, that this guy like neatly described the gay experience, and I love thinking of it as a lifelong process of like unpacking, finding who I am, making sure that I'm not pretending to be someone that I'm not, making sure that I'm not you know uh, continuing to throw up walls to everyone around me because that's how I grew up. It's just nice when you find other people explaining your experience so succinctly and putting words around it you know it just it's, it's meaningful absolutely just to know you're not alone in the experience you're not alone and you know that it makes it very clear to me that there is so much commonality in the like greater queer experience like you had a very different childhood than i did you have very different parents you to this day have a very different relationship with them than i do with my parents but um, there's so much that is kind of universal, um, growing up gay, especially growing up gay in the eighties or growing up gay in the nineties, you know, there mm-hmm. are, um, there are things that we all share. I personally really like to concentrate on the things we have in common as opposed to the things that divide us, uh, within the, the gay community. And I will, well, there are the Aaron shocks in the world who there, still feel, yeah. <laughs> feel that their gayness, their, their white male gayness is better than someone else's gayness. You're right. Um, I, I have been really bummed out recently. We were recording this. Um, uh, there's a primary going on today. We both get really fired up about politics. It's something we really enjoy talking about. Well, and it's I- March 2020, so I can't wait to hear about the Iowa caucus. <laughs> can't wait to hear. Uh- <laughs> Old joke. Probably still relevant. Uh, probably. We'll release this in a year. <laughs> um, I've been following politics pretty closely on social media, and I follow a lot of people who are also very politically active um, and that are very fired up about their primary, their, their favorite primary candidate. But I have been really bummed out about the fact that I have seen a lot of queer people attacking Pete Buttigieg specifically because of his perceived lack of queerness. Hmm. Um, and that he is not my number one candidate. I, I like him. He's I'm, I'm a Warren guy right now. Um, Where are you seeing it? Like Twitter? So uh, mainly Instagram, like a lot of Instagram stories. I've seen a few lesbian friends or acquaintances, uh, more than one, uh, say, say things about uh, wanting him to drop out of the race and how he's not, uh, how he doesn't represent their part of the gay community. Hmm. I've seen, um, and, and by the way, I know he has a, a real problem with people of color. None of these have been people of color. They've all been white people who support either Bernie or Warren, like diehard. Um, and uh, I've seen a couple gay men uh, talking about how they, how he's not gay enough or how he came out too late to, for it to really count or how they think his coming out and getting married was somehow political. I don't know. It really is... It feels to me, coming from other queer people, similar to how it felt in 2016 when women were attacking Hillary Clinton for not being feminine enough, for being a ball buster, for being too loud, uh, for not being pretty enough, that kind of stuff that we were hearing over and over and over every day. All the women on Fox News coming after her for the suits that she was wearing, all that kind of disgusting rhetoric. It felt so reminiscent of that. I'm like, fucking stop. I mean, fucking stop is right. And that is true of... All candidates, for whatever reason, it's especially disheartening as gay people to see a queer person be torn down, especially the first queer person this close to the presidency. By other queer people. Yeah, it's so, so historic and monumental that it's like, it just seems like our whole community would be supporting this. I do get, first of all, Pete's not my candidate, but not, 
I love that he's a queer candidate. It's amazing to me. I'm a candidate for different reasons. I wonder if you said you saw some queer women tearing him down. And I know there are women in my life who are disheartened by the fact that at this moment, a gay man who represents less than 10% of the population is closer to the presidency than a woman who represents 52% of the population. Mm -hmm. The difference probably being that he's a gay man. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wonder if that frustration comes into it. Yeah, probably. And that is incredibly complex. Having seen what happened in 2016, where a woman was so close to the presidency, Mm -hmm. and now it feels like we're back to potentially looking at two white men screaming their way to the presidency again. Yeah, that's (laughs) tough. Um, But it doesn't matter who the Democratic nominee is. We all need to support them. Yes. And I want to make it clear that I, I think that attacking people on the level of their humanity is wrong. And so that's why I can't stand this idea or I can't stand seeing queer people attack his gayness. Yeah, I guess. Like, sure, hold any candidate's feet to the fire regarding policy, regarding leadership history, all these things that really matter. Let's have those discussions. That's really important. The stuff that I don't want to see is the is the low hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. The um, low hanging fruit. (laughs) I. <laughs> oh, that's that's paradoxical. This low hanging fruit, low hanging fruit for a joke about a homosexual. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. <laughs> uh, the last thing I'll say about this, I don't. It doesn't need to be all politic all the time. But as a gay kid from Indiana, seeing a Pete Buttigieg up there on the national stage is enough to bring tears to my eyes often because I, I can only imagine what it's like in a state like that in that political climate that I'm quite familiar with to be able to walk this razor thin line of gayness but not too gay liberal but not too liberal all these things to not become a political firebrand and to be such a huge name in the national political conversation right now it's it is an impossible situation impossible well it's 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 impossible for him, for that reason, the same. They, the only person it's not impossible for is the straight white dudes. Yeah. Period. No, you're right. You're right. It is. It, it, I think for me, it's just it's it's becoming more prescient because it yeah. feels so close to home. So close to home. That is interesting that you have a similar history. I mean, you are also a Rhodes Scholar. You are also a <laughs> yeah. I'm also penis. a veteran. <laughs> no, but no, no, no. I'm none of these things. <laughs> but you do understand, especially he was. Obviously, he was closeted. He came out very recently, so he was closeted for... Yeah, but like in his first term as mayor, I think, right? Uh, Before sure he was reelected? Something in the last decade, for sure. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there is a uh, shared bond between kids who are, for whatever reason, forced to stay in the closet um, that I think we need to hang on to and remember to support one another because we all had at least that struggle in common. And even if you are privileged enough to deal with it as a cis white gay man and speaking of mike pence <laughs> cam what is your gayest moment of the are week are you asking me what my gayest moment of the week was i'm being thoughtful and not oh selfish. my god you're so nice gay 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 the way you do that dance looks like the pterodactyl <laughs> have we ever talked about the pterodactyl on here <laughs> Have we cut it every time? Ah, let me tell you. <laughs> hey, so, Mike, what's the pterodactyl? Thanks for asking. <laughs> <clears throat> no, wait, that's that's your theme when you're explaining things. Uh-huh. I need to, like, put my spin on this. Put your stank on it. <clears throat> there we go. That's it. Okay. <laughs> so the pterodactyl actually is... Uh, Something I learned from a friend at our old stomping ground, Schmushmardens. 
God, I'm doing it, but it's hard to explain. It's you, fine. I'm, I'm going to take a quick boomerang so we can uh, put it on social media. Okay. To the best of my ability, it is you have three dicks involved. You are squatting on one. You are jerking bouncing. off. You're bouncing, bouncing. Bouncing on one and jerking off the two other ones. Kind of like you're flopping your arms. Yeah. yeah. M- meanwhile, there's like a fury of semen ropes coming at you. Oh, <laughs> yikes. It's um, it's very aggressive. I think it looks like a uh, baby pterodactyl might look in its nest. Like uh-huh. from Flop, mama bird's Flopping food. its wings. Yeah. Just mouth open. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the pterodactyl. That's the pterodactyl. The more you know. Where were we? How do we get to this? Um, we went from serious politics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, that's not a clear line at all. We were on our gayest moments of the week. Uh huh. And you were pterodactyling? Um, no, I. Oh no, I was I just wish. dancing to the theme. <laughs> oh yes, yes. <laughs> the way he shook his hands, his fisted hands, with his mouth agaping. What? <laughs> agaping. <laughs> Anyway, did you have a gayest moment or? Um, yeah, it was with. Kick. Oh no, you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Sorry, Cam. God, please, I, I have to know what was your gayest moment. I'm here for you. Oh wow, uh, my gayest moment was with you. Uh, directly after recording the last episode, you looked at me like a toddler and said, "Play with my hair," and. I did. I We sat in front of the mirror and like two girlfriends, two 12-year-old girlfriends, I French braided your hair and I did a fucking good job. Can you say this in a French accent? <laughs> <laughs> I braided your hair. Oh, that's good. Wee <laughs> <laughs> wee. I say that's good. Hair braid. Okay, that's plenty. <laughs> plenty. Uh, yeah, I sure did. That was fun. Um, it didn't last very long because I couldn't be out in public with it, but it was cute. It was cute. And um, I... Do like to play with hair sometimes. It's one of the gayer things about me. Hmm. Um, Crimpers and, and such. Huh? Crimpers and such. Crimpers I just want to get such. crimper as our most used word in this podcast. <laughs> when someone does a word cloud of my best friend's journal, it's going to be fist fuck and crimper. <laughs> neck and neck. Um. So, yeah. Uh, playing hair salon with my gay bestie. Uh, that was my gayest moment of the week. Oh. Easy. Mine was with my straight bestie. Oh. I was with uh, Kickerella on the couch. <laughs> Is that one of his many nicknames? Yeah, I call him Kickerella sometimes <laughs> when he's doing chores. <laughs> <laughs> Kickerelli, Kickerella. <laughs> so I was with Kick. Uh, Michaela's out. It's just the two of us. And he was like, you want to watch a movie? I was like, yeah, let's find one. He's like, because I kind of would like to watch Titanic. And I was like, okay. I'm, and we happen to have Titanic on DVD. Wow. Yeah, right? You're not even at my house. I know. Do you have it on DVD? Uh, yeah. I used to have two copies on DVD and one on VHS. Just in case. I, just before I started divesting. Oh, and I have Blu-ray. Oh, I, I insert lots of insults here. Um, yeah, well, those were all back when people were dealing with physical media. I will say that I had the thought about, I don't know, a little over halfway through. They've already hit the iceberg. I was like, why am I watching this right now when there's so much good shit I have not caught up on? But anyway, we made it through and I have a new um, appreciation for that whole door situation. You know, everyone's always like, why didn't they both just stay on the fucking door? They could have both lived. I, they do do a small explanation of it to start Jack and Rose both try and get in the door and it nearly flips. And so to ensure Kate Winslet's safety, he lets her go on alone. Yeah. You know, nothing could be clearer to me as a fan of the movie who's seen it way too many times that his priority was her life. So he wasn't going to risk flipping her into the water yet again. But people always like to make that point. They both could have fit on the door. Yeah, you're right. If they weren't fully panicked and they had all the time in the world, they probably could have figured out the balance and gotten on there. They did have hours and they didn't try that hard and she was already wet. So like it's it's a loose explanation, but it is one. 
whatever. Um, I love that my Virgo brother, Kick, wanted to watch Titanic. Yeah, it was fun. He's one of my favorite straight people. Would you say he's your man crush Monday? Nah. (laughs) (laughs) Shot down! (laughs) Love you, Kick. I just didn't put that much thought into it this week. Do you have a man crush? No, fuck it. Okay. (laughs) Until next time, <laughs> we're not going to force a man crush. If it happens, it happens. Yeah, if it I'm not doesn't, into a man every week. In fact, I'm feeling very like into myself right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Man crush Monday is, is you. me. Just another me me Monday. Nope, we don't get that theme. <laughs> you, you don't get a theme. I'm making them so good. Fucking luck stopping me. <laughs> oh, all right. The time has come for me for to, to lip sync for, for my life. life. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting into the journal. Um. Wait. Wait. Okay. <laughs> most lackluster weight in the world (laughs) so july 11th 2014 up early for brunch at madison with jenny jenny oh yeah yeah love her no i have no idea you don't she is she's a listener she's one of my just dearest people ever she's just such a wonderful human she got me into broad city so that is some fucking influence um just uh did you work with her no she's a friend from high school Okay, um, I keep forgetting you're so close to home. Yeah, that was one of the best parts about being here. I was just getting to catch up with people that I hold dear. Well, hi, Jenny. Do you still keep up with her? Even uh, though she, I know she listens. but I do, actually. She was one of our um, beta listeners for this podcast. Oh, so nice. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, okay, so then you went to your, you did a workshop with um, kids in an elementary school? Again, why is anyone trusting me with the education of children? <laughs> um you said the children were great, so oh, weird. you didn't hate them. Um, you had a great show and exit applause. Ooh, left. I'm such a fucking. Oh. I hate myself. <laughs> hey, you do it for the applause, like Lady Gaga. I do it for. When I leave the truck, we all like fall off one by one. And when I got exit applause, I was very happy. Oh, I understand. I was like, don't people normally applaud at the end of the show? But like no, when like, you exited stage, yeah. people clap for you. I have everyone has their moment of like okay. their serious time when they, for whatever gotcha. reason, fail. And, and then you don't maybe they back. were applauding because I failed. Like, yeah, get off stage. <laughs> I kind of doubt it. Uh, on July 12th, you went to the gym. Hard to get through when I come back. I get it. Went to El Loco with Kirsten and Sean. Oh, you got exit applause again. And. George loved it. George is here. George. Oh, from the last episode, yeah. my virginity friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a normal thing to say. Um, so you are apparently reuniting with this guy. You don't seem to remember it much, but you ran into him at the post office. Then you made plans to go to the pool with him, and then he came to see your show. Uh, yeah, I don't remember that. I, I don't think we ever did hang out. This is strange because we never we didn't like keep in contact. It was a like doesn't mean a lot to me. I don't yeah. mean that in a in a any kind of way i'm just we just didn't we weren't close you know yeah i think you just wanted to get the whole thing in honestly probably i was craving it 10 years later (laughs) he was craving it Mm. on july 13th you went rock climbing and caving that seems off brand (gasps) um so fun but exhausting and scary yeah i've mentioned this before this is that horrifying moment when i was uh the the caving is indoor so it's wait um, a few of my castmates and I did this. Oh, like a... Um, you are like in the walls of a rock climbing gym. Yes, 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 And yes, there's okay. tiny little passages and it's completely in the dark. Uh-huh. And you have to it's just... It's like a team building experience. Yes. Okay. It was horrifying. The, before you are allowed in the maze, you have to um, fit your body through like a tiny triangle mold to see that you're going to fit through all the smallest uh, turns in there. Why would you do that? Why ever? I, well, I hadn't done it and I was like, new thing, fun. I had never felt... I didn't know what claustrophobia was until I did that. I was 
all but hyperventilating. It was, I would never do it again. It was so scary. Yikes. If they have to, they can open up the wall and take you out. Uh-huh. But you don't want that to happen. Right. You, you know? don't want to be that person who's like pulled out by their hair. Yeah. So you don't know where you're going. You're just feeling around. And sometimes you're like, is this tiny thing that maybe fits my head the hole I'm supposed to squeeze myself through? And someone's like, no, that's my ass. <laughs> yeah, George. <laughs> But please continue to try to wear me like a hat. Um, that is awfully scary. I don't care for it. No. Um, on the 14th, you had a day off. Um, dealing with Hope being terrified of me. Oh, so Kirsten has uh, a rescue dog. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was assuming this is a castmate. Like, you're not very scary. <laughs> she uh, She's the sweetest. Um, she was found in, I think, in Texas, like in a parking lot. Oh. And she was traumatized and I was a stranger in their home. And so I have pictures, I think, of me. Um, she would like stand behind me and stare at me when I was facing the other direction. So uh-huh. I would take like selfies with her just like staring daggers at me from behind. <laughs> but she wouldn't look at me if I wasn't facing the other way. Was she aggressive or just scared? Uh, just scared. She, she was intimidating like your dog, Eleanor. She uh-huh. can be scary, but she would... Barking the run in a corner. Yeah. Um, she was definitely more scared of me, but we got close. Now you, she loves me. Oh, good. That's very sweet. You're so good with dogs. <sighs> kind of. Strangely. I don't know why. I'm not like... You are. You like you are patient with them. You don't mind their dog antics. You're very sweet with pups. My dogs adore you. They don't even bark when you come up the driveway. They just start doing their wag like oh. when Peter's coming home. <laughs> it's very cute. Same um, wag you do when Peter's coming home? Same wag I do. Yeah. <laughs> Take down my pants and helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey peter sisters <laughs> hey uh so dealing with hope being terrified of me poor hope uh, by the way before i read that the first time i almost asked if i could use her name <laughs> Can I answer no no she'd prefer not <laughs> karen kilgara from uh, my favorite murder whenever she talks about her dogs she talks about them being fiercely private <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um okay meredith came over to watch so you think you can dance yeah. Um, trivia at juniors. What? Am I missing something? No, no, no. You're just going to be really fucking annoyed when I read this next part. <sighs> Try me. People keep referring to me as gay around Kirsten and Sean, and it's getting awkward. <laughs> well, uh, my first thought is actually, what do I mean by them referring to me as gay? <laughs> Like, all right, uh, where are gay castmates? <laughs> I'm sure they're talking about you either flirting with boys or having experiences as a gay man. It comes up. I'm The other people are not the villains here. You are the problem in this situation. And oh, you... how dare you? I know. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I always make it a point when I, I don't like, you know, it's not. Sure. Um. <laughs> oh. If you're hanging out with your cousins and your castmates and <laughs> your castmates are outing you. I like that it's getting awkward. Just speak up. Well, awkward because I'm just letting it play out and that's uh-huh. what happens. Yep. It is what happens. Just like sitting on your hands, turning red. <sighs> July 15th, your show was canceled again, Frowny Face. Ooh, only 10 chances left. Aww. They are dwindling. Um, You went to TGI Fridays after much deliberation. Oh, that was one of those things where it's like, where should we go? Should we do this? And someone was like, let's just fucking go somewhere. And then you end up at a TGI Fridays. Uh-huh. Um, bottomless apps and a no phone rule. Oh, you ever play the no, the no phone rule? No, the first person touched their phone, like pays yeah, you, for the meal. Well, yeah, you stack it up. You Everyone at the table puts their phone on top of each other. You leave it there. And if they buzz 
and you're tempted to grab your phone or check whose it was, then that person has to buy a round of drinks or whatever rule you want to put in. I would really like to play that role with my husband. I do it all the time. I love that. Do it's you? Very, it honestly always makes for a much more enjoyable experience. It's always fun. You always find conversation you would not have had. You can't look anything up. You can't reference anything. It's just kind of I'm going to force us to do that while he's between jobs. It's really fun. Before we move to Australia. It's liberating. On July 16th, Jim, groceries, and caught up on this journal... Um, you ate a couple delicious salads. Salad's not the kind of thing you go back for seconds. I'll have another salad, please. <laughs> oh, that was a delicious salad. Can I get another one? Um, <laughs> Bartender, keep them coming. <laughs> salad tosser, keep them coming. Nope. Uh, Why is that called tossing a salad? Mm, I have no idea. Do you want an Urban Dictionary yet? I mean, I know what it is. It's a rim job, but... Uh-huh, but Why? Why? I think it's not, there's nothing, you don't toss a salad with your tongue, it's highly discouraged. <laughs> Why is it called tossing a salad? Okay, I'm going to Google it. Googling, Googling, Googling. Um, okay, here's an answer on Quora. That's some quick Googling. Um, <laughs> I think Quora is mainly answered to, or used to answer legal questions. Is it? So, yeah. Really? <laughs> a lot of like lawyers contribute to Quora. Oh, I thought it was more of a Reddit situation. Um, I don't know. I've gotten a lot of like legal articles from it before, but here we are. I don't think that's wise counsel. <laughs> uh, Quora is a place to share knowledge and better understand the world is what their uh, tagline is. But I do know that there's like a lot of legal stuff because you'll have like a lawyer with their credentials listed below. Oh, okay. So anyway, here here's what we have about tossing salads. Are you ready? <laughs> Yeah, what lawyer contributed to this? This wasn't a lawyer. This was a TV movie junkie. Um, and the title of this article is, Why is Analingus referred to as tossing salad? Brace yourself. This actually originated on an HBO documentary called Prisoners of the War on Drugs, produced in 1996. Hmm. In the film, there's a segment called Tossed Salad Man, who describes <laughs> to a reporter... I've been called that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Who describes to a reporter one of the ways another prisoner might pay for drugs or pay off a drug debt. It involves... Oh, no, 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 no. It involves... No, 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 you guys, I didn't write this. Sucking his asshole like a pussy while he jacked off. It uh, gets into a lot more detail than that, wait. as well as a few other methods of payment they practice inside <laughs> the prison. I don't... Okay, a couple things I don't follow. Uh, Is he applying the jelly to his own asshole and then sucking out of his own asshole? No, 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 seems... no, no, no. It's paying off a debt, so... To someone else's. You owe me a debt, so I'm going to put jelly on my asshole and have you suck it like a... Mm, I can't actually say if it. If that was a reasonable way to pay off debts... <laughs> You would be out of student loan debt. <laughs> I would indulge. Um, other question still doesn't seem to be. Oh, I guess his name was Salad Toss Man. So he just, was the Toss Salad Man. Yeah. So it just comes from him, not from because that's still not a salad tossing act. No, 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 no. Um, All right. Yeah. So the same year, the comedian Chris Rock, having seen the film, worked this term into a stand-up comedy routine. When a new inmate comes in and he wants some drugs, how do you initiate him? The guy goes, "Well, the first thing I do." is make him toss my salad. The guy's like, toss my salad? Well, what's that? Guy, well, having your salad toss means having your asshole eaten out with jelly or syrup. I prefer syrup. 
It's been heard other places since, including movies like Me, Myself, and Irene, when Jim Carrey is viewing the Chris Rock comedy special on TV. So, wow, it goes deep. (laughs) Not that deep, though. (laughs) As previously discussed, assholes aren't that deep. That was a hard right turn. Uh, July 17th, tons of family and Hannah and her mom came to the show to Parkview after for beers to Elaine Stritch. Elaine Stritch. Says after for beers to Elaine Stritch. Are you seeing what you want to see? No. Read it. When did she die? I wonder if she died then. She absolutely did not die then. No? Uh, no. 2014? Ugh, well, shit. July 17th, 2014. <gasps> yes, nice! and fuck you. <laughs> well done. <laughs> she absolutely did not die then. Yeah. yeah. Man, I was convicted in that. I saw her on stage in New York, and I thought it was like not too. It would have been like 2010. So okay, we had beers to Elaine Stritch. Cheers, cheers to the ladies who lunch. Oh. Pour one out for Elaine. Um, July 19th. Oh. Vanessa saw the show and stayed over. Hey, Vanessa. Hey. Quick shout out to Vanessa. She's been a listener since the beginning, and I recently uh, sought her advice on some subject matter, and she was so helpful, and I appreciate that so freaking much. Friend of the show. Thanks very much. Made it to the (laughs) t-shirts. In quotes. (laughs) I forgot that she was the made-up friend for forever. She really exists. She really does, at least here in the journal. Um, You went to Cheesecake Factory and caught up. Trash. (laughs) (laughs) See what he thinks about you, Vanessa? (laughs) It's fine. In 2014, I would probably go to Cheesecake Factory too. You'd Which go just, now. What? You'd go now. I don't think I would, because hmm. the cheesecake is fucking bomb. I can't eat that now unless you want me to violently shart in your presence. You can't have like a whatever lactose pill or whatever. Also, yes, please violently shart in my presence because it's a good story. <laughs> oh, you've given me permission now. No, uh, lactate pills do not work for me. They used to, um, but if you use them a lot, uh, your body tends to build up more of mm, like makes sense. Tolerance. More, more tolerance for those things and the enzymes in those pills do not help when you are very lactose intolerant like I am. What are they cutting? Uh, real quick apology if people hear banging in the background. There's a man on our roof currently. Why is there a man on your roof? <laughs> um, <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure. They Let came... him in. <laughs> Let him in. <laughs> he lives there. Um, they're, they came to power wash the house, and for some reason they're on the roof banging around. So mm, Good I don't timing. Know. Yeah. Could you come and power wash during our next recording? That'd be ideal. <laughs> I didn't set the schedule. <laughs> um, July 21st, you went to NYC very early. Oh, you had lunch at Vinyl, which doesn't exist anymore, so we can talk about that. <laughs> Loved Vinyl. I did, too, although the last time I went before it closed, it was V-underwhelming. It got shitty. Yeah, they, Vinyl was a Hell's Kitchen staple. It was a place where the gays collected, and it was my first real New York City waiting job. Uh-huh. I also worked at Planet Hollywood, but I don't count that. Um, um, I went and ate at Vinyl like years before you ever worked there. Wow. Um, but it was like very ubiquitous with, yeah. uh, I guess, just gays eating in Hell's Kitchen. Vinyl had four bathrooms that oh. were themed... <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. And they were themed to gay icons. Also, the owner of Vinyl refused to call Vinyl a gay establishment. He's like, it's not gay. I'm like, literally all of your staff is gay and all of your clientele are are gay. Yeah, call it gay. What a dickhead. And he owned gay bars. He's a straight man. He owned gay bars around there, too. I'm like, why why won't you lean into this? You're in Hell's Kitchen. Like, this is why you're making money. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway. Sassy-ass gay waiters. Yeah. I digress. Mm -hmm. Um, They, so there were four bathrooms. Uh, one was Beyonce themed. And by themed, he means there was a full mosaic on yes. the wall of Beyonce. A like most, a tile mosaic. Two things that, yeah, do it. There's a, I think the outside is labeled with their name. The inside has a wall mosaic. And then there's a little shadow box with their, with a doll dressed up to look like them. Uh-huh. So we get Beyonce. Cool, uh-huh. cool. Gay support it. Dolly Parton. Fantastic. Obviously. Oh, the other huge thing that is 
the theme of their bathroom, only their music plays in those bathrooms. Yes, yes, yes. Forgot yes. about that. Yep. That was cool. So I used to go pee in Dolly. I like to hear Jolene. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not say pee in Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> then there was Cher, I believe. They rotated a bunch once I left, which is not easy to do with Mosaic. I was going to say, they have new, new tile work done. By rotated a bunch, I mean they moved to the restaurant next door and then chose different people. Gotcha. And the fourth person they had is the infamous gay icon... Nelly. Nelly. <laughs> Not Nelly Furtado. <laughs> Nelly as in something, something, Cocoa Puff, pass it to me now. <laughs> Light it up and take a puff. Light it up and take a puff. Um, so uh, to this day, I'm baffled as to why Nelly, maybe that was this owner's like way of, of saying, it's this, still straight. This isn't gay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Crazy. Ooh, anyway, it was such a, it was a home for me. I loved it. It's where I kind of found some gay community in New York. And it's a real bummer that it went downhill after... They just kept trying, and it kept getting worse and worse, and now it's closed. Yeah. It was delightful. It was one of my very first nights out in New York ever. Maybe the first time I ever went to New York. A bunch of our theme park friends met up, and we had dinner at Vinyl, and then we went out to the gay bars. That's the only time I've ever been refused entry to a gay bar because I was too hammered. That's amazing. (laughs) We, We went to therapy and got so drunk and tried to go over to Posh. These are and, just New York gay bars. Yeah, and Posh would not let me in the door. Wow, because you was, weren't like, Posh. Fall down drunk. You were more ginger. <laughs> Who's the sloppiest Spice Girl? <laughs> <laughs> Who is a slop? They're all pretty. They're all pretty put together. Yeah, I'd say ginger. I guess she's a fiery redhead. I was. Yeah, it was a mess. And my boyfriend at the time walked me that drunk, like he herded me through the streets of Manhattan. Shep herded you. Yeah, and then it Get was. It. It's your last name. Uh huh. It was one of those. Um, young drunk moments where you got so you know the feeling when you wake up after having been sloppy the night before and you just have that regret in like settle over you like like just like i'm not exactly sure how i acted but i know i'm ashamed of it yeah i know that i was drunk enough to get fucking refused entry to a club peripheral shame Uh uh-huh exactly and it's because your serotonin levels are sapped you're Mm -hmm. hungover it's just it's the worst that's why i do not get that drunk anymore i was Um, going to say i haven't seen that version of you in a in many years no i i I mean we used to party i don't even want to get that drunk anymore because then i lose two days of my life to a hangover it's awful i uh i remember we were leaving the next day like early catching the chinatown bus oh fuck early the next day and i remember sitting up sorry about that and looking at my boyfriend and just i cried (laughs) i was so ashamed i was like i'm the worst i was an embarrassing drunk person last night and he was pretty much like pull your shit together everyone's been the drunk bitch at some point like you're fine (laughs) he wasn't mean about it he was was just like you were just too drunk but it's okay you just need to get your shit together get packed and get on a bus Uh, i feel like this is the same boyfriend who you were like, do not tell him I peed in the bed. I don't, he was like the least judgy person I've ever met. I can't, you felt shame with him a few times. Well, I wonder what it was. That was personal. It wasn't on him because he was always put together. Even though he would go out and have a good time, get drunk. He was never the, we used to call it the drunk bitch. Uh, meaning that at every party there is one uh, that's that's, you. that was drunk. Every party him. has a drunk bitch. That's why we <laughs> invited you. You were the drunk bitch. <laughs> that's father of the bride. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much, Martin Short. Um, <laughs> Uh, it was, yeah, it was this theory. And actually my voice teacher in high school told me that he was like, uh, you're going to go to college and every party is, there's going to be a drunk bitch and try just try to make it your goal not to be the drunk bitch. Oh. <laughs> Good on him. Giving you some life advice. Yeah. I didn't always take it though. Um, so my ex at the time, he was just, I do not want to stereotype here, but he is an Irish dude that was hanging out with a lot of heavy drinking young Irish people. And he saw people act crazy constantly oh yeah like they were like drinking hard every night of the week being like 
think 20-year-old Irish performers living abroad for the first time. There's a reason we called it the Irish trash can. Yeah, he saw some shit. And so when I would get too drunk, he would be like, you need to just pick yourself up and you're going to be fine. <laughs> so That was random. Irish trash can is a, a very, very alcoholic drink with a Red Bull in it. It is a Long Island iced tea, but instead of orange, uh, instead of triple sec, you replace it with blue, blue carousel. And so then the you, vomit looks better. Yeah, and then you uh, turn, a, instead of Coke, you turn a Red Bull upside down in the drink. I had so many of those. So many. It's liquid cocaine is what it is. Ooh, it's those are fucked. Really um, bad for ye old liver. This all reminds me because of China Bus. I'm talking back up. These are our Schmush Bardens times. We call it the Chinatown Bus. You call it the China Bus? Sounds racist. Hmm. <laughs> it dropped off in Chinatown. That's why we call it the Chinatown. Yeah, bus. maybe my my um, abbreviation makes it sound racist. Uh, the Chinatown yeah. bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my last memory is uh, that love of mine, B and I, from Virginia, planned on going to New York for a weekend that summer, mm-hmm. and last second, like day off, he was like, I, "I don't feel well. I can't go. You should go." And I went alone on the Chinatown bus. Realized after he couldn't go, so he could hook up with somebody else. That is so disgusting and backhanded. We weren't dating. We were not dating. I know, there but was that's, no he, still, he, he literally he abandoned he you yeah. on a trip so he could go have sex and he knew that it was going to hurt your feelings. He, yes. That is awful. Yeah. That's poor, poor behavior. My last memory of that bus, the last time I, I think I took it twice. The second time we got abandoned at a bus stop in either Richmond or Roanoke. It must've been Richmond because it was like just over an hour away from where we were living. Um, and at the middle of the night, this bus dr- made everyone get off. Bus driver did not speak a lick of English. No one was in the depot. They did not explain to us why we were getting dumped uh, at a bus stop. And they just made everyone get off the bus and the bus drove away. It was like two in the morning. What? And uh, <laughs> like all the people that were on the bus that understood what was going on, they had people come pick them up. And like, oh, I think what it was is that we were the only people going all the way to Williamsburg, if memory serves me correctly. And they pretty much were like, we're not going to make that trip for a couple passengers. So <gasps> literally everyone else got picked up at the station and we were just stuck there. I think we had to call a cab and pay for a cab oh, over fuck. an hour. This was before Uber and cabs were fucking expensive. The cab probably cost more than the bus from, yeah. were you from New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was so broke. And we had That's already been to Chinatown New York. Bus. That's why you take the bus in the first place. Oh, it was awful. I was like, never again. I will pay for a flight. I will upgrade to the Greyhound. <laughs> <laughs> wow, those are words. That is, uh, just imagine if you're upgrading to the Greyhound, what it means to take the Chinatown bus. Uh-huh. Man, I haven't thought about that in a while. And I am so grateful I haven't needed to take that in a bit. I love that we got to the Chinatown bus from this because you didn't mention that at all. <laughs> yeah, this the memory I came up with was years earlier than this. Yeah. Uh, so lunch at Vinyl. We talked about that a few minutes ago. You might remember. <laughs> um, oh, let me tell you about vinyl. I love vinyl. Because <laughs> never ending circle. Um, you had wine on Hannah's rooftop. Hope she knew. <laughs> these are like the, these are the New York memories I miss. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have, I guess we could probably join the guy upstairs on your roof and have wine right now. We could recreate see if some. He's in the, see if he's in the mood for a morning bevy. Rosé or Cabernet? <laughs> wine on my rooftop it's not so much my rooftop as my roof sitting on a shingle the cameron shepherd story just sounds like an autobiography it does you're right july 25th you saw oh you saw the um the theater kids that you were helping out in oliver Hmm. um you met amy you had lunch with amy you had dinner with amy (laughs) (laughs) amy is goldfish amy you wrote her name so many times amy 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 (laughs) You wrote her name literally four times here. Met Amy. Lunch with Amy. Dinner with Amy. Amy saw the show. Oh, Amy. So glad to see her. Here's the confusing thing. Uh, 
broke bed while sleeping? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Do you remember what happened? Uh-huh. Uh, let's <laughs> add to the confusion. So I bet Kirsten was like, ah, oh, yes, his friends are just staying over until this happened. So I'm staying in her guest room. Uh-huh. And Amy's sleeping over. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize something was off with the bed. Amy and I wake up like in the bed, like sunk in, like it had cracked. The mattress was like, uh-huh. you know, folded ba- like a taco style. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. And I was like, fuck. And I realized uh, there was like a two by four holding it up that uh-huh. we whatever. And it's really hard to explain that we did not break that bed having sex. <laughs> fair you're like, like the we, next morning you're like the bed broke due to no fault of ours mm-hmm. that oh, is adding to this complicating yeah. <laughs> yeah complicating do you know when you came out to kirsten i don't know um it's only complicated in my awkward head i'm sure she's like well he's gay and just having women sleep over yeah. I, I don't think there's any nuance to it at all really can we get her on the show i want to know what she was that. thinking this whole summer can you at least give her a call and be like listen i need to know summer 2014 how frustrated were you with my lack of coming I, out to you she's so cool i bet she wasn't frustrated at all i think you're she right. was just like in he's, your he's time. Gay, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> Take your sweet time, baby Michael. Yeah, and she's also southern. <laughs> she's, she's, she's southern a, and uh, 80 apparently. A, a, Alabama. Um on <laughs> July 26th, you packed good final show. Wow. Oh, that was it's it? over already. Wow. Um you went to Reds with a park view after. You didn't get to bed until 2:30 that night. Party animal. And then you woke up at 5:45 oh, the next day. Tough. Why did I get up early? Yeah. So, I well, this says bed at 2:30 and then the very next day, woke up at 5:45 to drop one of your castmates at the airport. Oh, I'm at the Albany nice. airport. Um, then you drove to Delaware. Oh, right. A million episodes ago, I might have cut it out. I said I got in a fight with my sister over the timing of a vacation. They planned a vacation that started at the end of my show. Oh. So I couldn't join them until the show ended and okay. I had to go down by myself. Gotcha. Okay. Where was the vacation to? Uh, Dewey Beach, Delaware. Okay. That's what that says. Drove to Delaware, parentheses Dewey. Stopped in Philly and dropped bags. Scratchy throat. Uh-huh. Left to get sick on Big K. Here's a box with stars around it. Is it involving my sister? It is. Oh, yeah, I know what it is. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. It's fun. It's a whole journey. Tara finally asked if I was gay. Ding, ding, ding. Do you like Chris or me? She said. Oh, yeah. Let me explain to you mean? how she asked me this. <laughs> so I was... Gay, yeah, yeah, and remain to this day. <laughs> surprisingly, um, I that was very relieving to me because I was al- almost waiting for someone to ask me. I'm like, it's going to be one of two ways. If I bring it up arbitrarily, it instantly becomes a sex thing. Uh-huh. I either need to have someone I'm dating that I need to explain, which to me would have been a reasonable reason to An say, easy way, like I'm bringing reason. someone home. Yes, yeah, or one somebody just ask me. I don't know. Is it fair that I put that on them? No. It's not fair. No. Um, but is it fair that I should have to come out with no reason? Y- yeah. Straight people don't come out, so. It's true. I know. It, it, I'm not saying that it's fair in general, but it is how think this works. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, relieved that she finally asked me something. I don't know. A sibling should, or like a sibling you're close to. Maybe your parents don't want to get make you uncomfortable, but like that could be a sibling's job. No, because we preach to, that it is so personal that gay people should be allowed to come out. It is not okay when you come out and someone's like, yeah, I know, which is pretty much the same thing as being like, are you gay? Like, you need to let people do it on their own time. It is a personal thing. Well, she didn't say, are you gay? And I'll explain what she did say in a second. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not letting you pass this off to Tara, though. I think No, I agree, but I do think, like, I don't know. I, I can't get over the fact that, like, heterosexual people never need to come out. And we expect literally everyone else in the population to do so, which suggests that heterosexual is 
the normal. It's it's not the normal, but it is the vast majority. It is more than 90% of the population. And so most people don't have to because they it is just the way that our society works. It's imperfect, but yeah. it's the way that it is. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I just get frustrated by it. And I do think, you know, looking back, I'm like, come the fuck out, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so Tara and I are at a bar uh, with our whole family. We're all out having a good old time, drinking a little bit. Uh-huh. Tara goes to me. So I want to ask you something. I'm like, here it comes. Love your very flattering uh, portrayal of your sister. (laughs) She says, are you more interested? Like, would you be more attracted to like, to like me or to like, would you be more attracted to like Chris? Your brother. My brother. And I was, (laughs) I was like, okay, I just want to, just want to clarify here. You are asking me whether I'm more sexually attracted to my sister or to my brother. Is that what you're asking me? And she got all of her clumps. I was like, no, I just, I was like, is there something else you want to ask? And then I, she was like, are you gay? And I was like, uh-huh. And she's like, oh my God, why don't you say anything? And I was like, oh my God, why don't you ask? <laughs> and that was that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can just see you fuming, just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh God, families maybe, are complicated. Maybe I wanted someone to ask because I wouldn't, I wasn't going to lie about it, but I also wasn't going to bring it up. Yeah. Which is where we kind of were an episode or two ago when Kirsten introduced the Man Crush Monday. Yep. Just another man. No! No! <laughs> July 28th. Horrible sore throat. <laughs> this always happens when I don't sleep enough and drink too much. You fucking think? <laughs> I always get sick when I run myself down into the ground. <laughs> oh, got offered B1 on a new ship. Oh, yay. I had these three shows back to back to back, and yeah. now I'm out of work, and it was just handed oh. to me. Excited for a new job. Good timing. Tara and Amy made steaks. Great. Are Tara and Amy friends? Amy is... Oh, different Amy. Different spelling. Amy is my other sister. She's my um, she was my sister's roommate in New York. She's family. Oh, wonderful. I can't believe she hasn't come up before. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she was with my sister when she was asking me that awkward, terrible question about which sibling I'd most like to fuck. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, keeping it in the family. Okay, July 29th, beach. Oh, you bought a kite. Second time you've done this. But couldn't fly it like I did with Kick. Oh, Oh, that's the saddest. Which leads me to believe that I was never flying the kite, but Kick was flying the kite. (laughs) I think we've talked about that before. He got it up and was like, you can hold it now. Shut up. Uh, Listen back. (laughs) Shut your hole. I'm going to go ahead and get it up and then you can hold it. (laughs) Just give me a second. Hold it. <laughs> I'm going to place it gently in your hand. Um, went out to dinner, but couldn't taste much. Pounding Dayquil and Zycam. Didn't go out after. Good. Oh, yeah, that was hard. My family is never all together, and I was like, I'll stay and sleep while you guys go out. But I just yeah. felt like shit. I hate being sick. It sucks. It's the worst. I mean, having just come off a cold, I completely agree. So on the 30th, you're feeling a bit better. Beach paddleboarding. Fell down a lot. I was so bad at it. It was embarrassing. Uh, I was once with Peter paddleboarding and he fell onto his paddleboard and split his pants. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like a little split. I thought you going to say split like something that would hurt, but splitting your pants is fine. Yeah, no, no, no. He ripped his, he ripped the crotch out of his, uh, trunks. I remember being very embarrassed by this. It feels like when my lack of coordination and balance reveals itself, oh, sure. I really like sometimes I'm standing up and just fall over. I'm just a, <laughs> a spectacularly unbalanced person. <laughs> Sounds like you're talking about mental health. <laughs> right. It all works. Spectacularly unbalanced person. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um. Oh. 
Michaela and Kick got engaged. Oh fuck! On this yeah. day, oh that's a good place to end. Yeah, that's um, so nice. I remember they they Facetimed me, I think, and I fucking hope they can correct me that I'm the first person to know after their parents. Oh, that's so fun! They just sent me a Facetime, and uh, Michaela was just holding up her ring. And I think she took a screenshot of it, um, and I my hand is like on my forehead, and I'm like, "What?" You didn't know he was gonna propose. I had no idea. Actually, why the fuck did he not come to me first? <laughs> Come to me. You weren't spending time with them. I know, but I would have liked to to just know what was happening. <laughs> I am retrospectively angry, but yeah, I was really happy. That's here. cool. That's cool. It's, it was only six years ago, so you can still be mad. I'll pick um, a fight when I get home. <laughs> and the last day of July, 2014. Okay. Sunny day at beach. Played frisbee with mom. She's good. <laughs> um, like stupid good. <laughs> It like she's pissed. You. Boggled my mind. Uh, I'm not kidding. She can. She would throw the frisbee and have it like hover in front of my face. I could look at it for a second and then catch it. She could have it hit the ground and come back up to hit to meet me exactly. She is the most amazing frisbee per- player. <laughs> frisbee person. Frisbee. Frisbee tosser. Frisbeer. That I have ever seen. And like she, she's the same person who's like, I don't know how to turn the VCR on. I'm like, you do know how to turn the VCR on. Somehow she's got this ridiculously refined Frisbee skill. Like what else don't I know? She hasn't been spending time with electronics. She's been outside playing ultimate. She's also, it was another example of one of those things that she um, like doesn't, uh, what feels like a big thing that she doesn't let in. Like I remember being 20 and she's like, well, when I was in boarding school, I was like, what? (laughs) There's so much. She just like drops these massive bombs with no explanation as though I should know. And as though she said it before, you guys need to do like a story core where you sit down and she tells you her story and you record it. Her oral history. I don't want to know about her oral history. (laughs) I tried to stop it. I tried to, I held up my finger and he bulldozed right through. Okay. Well, in the spirit of stopping or do you think that's a, is that the spot? Can okay. I finish this? Oh, up, sorry. This yes, entry please really finish. <laughs> um, you had drinks on the beach. You made fried rice and dad made shrimp. Went to the... Was this your last full family vacation? Yeah, probably, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it's the end of a month. You're mid-vacation. You're feeling better. It's a good place to stop. Michaela and Christian are engaged. I'm out. You're out. God, good Lord. Well, to, to your Tara. sister. Yeah, we got <laughs> more of that journey to fucking come. And I don't know how many years it's going to take, to be honest with you. It truly tickles me how uh, just exhausted you are by the whole thing in retrospect. Just your eyes seem... half close every time. You're like, mm. It seems absurd. <laughs> All right, Mikey, um, if people want to find us online, they can visit us at mybestfriendsjournal.com where they can find our merch store and all of our episodes. I guess I can help. You can find us on Instagram at mbfjpodcast. Great. And you can email us at mybestfriendsjournal at gmail.com. Exactly. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And share with your friends. Until next time, always remember, if you're in a safe place with a nice family, just fucking come out. The sooner the better. And then you don't have to relive this exhausting, exhausting experience. (laughs) Sound advice from my gayest friend. Am I your gayest friend? Your breath always smells like dick. It's because I self-suck. Good, good, good. I'm glad we came back to that. (laughs) 